and welcome to Spawn, a common sense, generally fun, and hopefully helpful discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Kristen Chase. And I'm Liz Gumbiner. Together, we're the co-founders of CoolMomPics.com. Today, we are going to talk about something lots of you have asked us about, parenting LGBTQ kids and teens. And we have a great guest to talk about that with. And as always, we'll close out our show with our cool picks of the week. And we'll be back jumping right into this discussion right after this. This episode of Spawned is brought to you by Gifster. If you're working on holiday gift lists right now, you're going to be so glad to know about Gifster. It's a very cool gift registry that lets you create and view your entire group's wish lists anytime. Unlike traditional registries, Gifster works two ways. You can give and receive gifts from each other. So here's how it works. Each person in your group marks the items purchased as they buy them to avoid any duplicate gifts and returns, and all the gift purchases are kept secret from the list maker, so the gifts are still a surprise. So if you're putting together a family gift exchange, you want to have a running list with your partner or with your kids, this is awesome, and it's totally free to create your wish list. You want to head over to gifter.com slash spawned that's g-i-f-t-s-t-e-r dot com slash spawned to create your free wish list today that's gifster.com slash spawned so let us tell you about our amazing guest we wanted to do a show for a while on lgbtq teens and kids and so i think we brought in the perfect person Kristen russo is a writer educator and consultant with a focus on lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer issues in case you were wondering what LGBTQ stands for. Although I think you know that we have a pretty woke audience here. Yes. <laughs> she co-founded the LGBTQ organization Everyone is Gay and My Kid is Gay and authored the book This is a Book for Parents of Gay Kids, which is going to inspire our discussion today. She holds a master's in gender studies from the CUNY Graduate Center. And since 2012, Kristen has run an annual all-ages Pride Party in NYC, a space dedicated to LGBTQ young people, their families, allies, and friends. This event works to prioritize collaborative, community-based engagement, and to center queer and trans performers. Kristen is also the co-host of the critically acclaimed Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast, Buffering the Vampire Slayer, which I love. And that really is a whole other topic for a whole other show. Oh, yeah, for Kristen, sure. Kristen, welcome. welcome. Oh, my gosh. I'm sandwiched between Kristen. <laughs> this is so great. For me. Yes. Kristen's all around. Kristen's Thank all around. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, we're so glad you're here. I have to say, I don't think we've ever had another Kristen. And so for our listeners who may be a little confused trying to keep up with us, Kristen, <laughs> your host, spells it with an E-N. <laughs> Which yep. I know you won't be able to tell, but you know, but I'm dumb. No, but now they know we're at war. You know, that's <laughs> the way that this I want to get Kristen Chenoweth on next so we can just oh, yes. like <laughs> overload the episode with questions. <laughs> we're so glad you're here because we've gotten so many questions about this from so many of our listeners, from our readers in Clomompics, from friends in real life, people in the playground, people. It seems to be like <laughs> what a lot of parents are talking about these days. Your book, which you co-authored with Dan Owens Reed, is such a great resource. It's a good read. We really enjoy enjoyed it. It's so easy and like helpful. It literally is questions and answers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we tried to make it straightforward, you know, and also, and I'm sure we'll get into this, but really the purpose of the book was to answer questions and to answer them in a way that was encouraging and celebratory and positive. Not that there aren't, you know, moments of confusion or maybe even feeling sad or overwhelmed, but it was really so necessary to have a book that existed for parents who just had questions and were still 
totally celebratory of their kids. Well, it sold me because that's how I discovered you is I just saw that book. I was looking for something for myself and I saw it and it was very straightforward. <laughs> the title, <laughs> And I was like, wait, I think that's me. I'm buying this book. And I was really thrilled by the way that you approached it because there are, you know, real stories, real anecdotes, as well as just an understanding of how complex this is and knowing that, you know, everyone is going to have a different experience, but doing what I felt like was the best in tackling all of the questions. I mean, you really go from the very beginning to getting into gender identity and all those kinds of things, which we will get to. But I think we should really start with a big question that we know many people have that we've spoken with. And that is, what do you do if you suspect that your child is gay, but they haven't said anything to you? You know, I think that so many parents want to make sure that their kid feels comfortable saying who they are. But I think that what many miss, and, and this is fair, I mean, my, my mom, I'm sure we'll wind up talking about my mom at least a few times in this conversation, but she certainly missed this. She asked me if I was gay directly. And the thing about that is that you might be, I mean, maybe what you're perceiving is correct. Maybe it's not, but regardless, your kid's journey with their own identity is going to take a different path than your own understanding of that identity. And so when my mom asked me, I didn't yet have any understanding of myself as a queer person at mm. all. And so I'll say 9.8 times out of 10, let your kid <laughs> come to you, you know, and there's always liars, right? There's always situations where like, you know, your kid, you know, they've been dropping hints and they just need you to, ask, you know, like, mm -hmm. of course, I'm not going to ever come in here and say there will never be a situation where you should not bring it up to your child. But usually let them come to you. So then is it helpful to ever find a perfectly opportune moment? Like you're watching Love, Simon together and you say, you know, mm -hmm. if you were to be gay, I would love you just the same. Like, is that helpful or not helpful? Absolutely. I think as long as it's not pointed, you know, like because kids, <laughs> kids are, as we're all aware, like kids are pretty smart. And so if they feel like you're only saying that to them, like if you have more than one kid and you're just looking at them when you say that, then <laughs> that's kind of the same deal as just asking them outright. But then that's really the heartbeat of the book and of all of the advice that I ever give is that if you are living your life in a way where you are making it clear that you support equality and that you love your kids regardless of their identity because of their identity, then you're setting the stage for that and you're not doing it in a way that makes like one kid feel singled out. You know, don't make them feel like they're on the spot is really the end all. <laughs> so then let's talk about how to respond when kids do come to you and let you know that they are gay or that they have some information about their sexuality or gender to share with you. I'm sure you've heard lots of reactions and I imagine that it may differ from parents who, like you were saying, always say we're progressive, we're supportive, we're inclusive and parents who realize that maybe Maybe when it's their own kid, it feels a little different. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that there's always going to be more than one side to your emotional response as a parent, you know, and part of it is just parsing what you should speak to your friends, your partner, your extended family about for support, where you should look for additional support in places where you're feeling confused and overwhelmed and what to share directly with your kid. Because really, when your kid comes out to you, they're probably going to look for a million things that they don't even realize they're looking for. And some you're going to do and some you're not going to do. And that's just okay. That's just life. That's just the way it is, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot in that moment. But the simplest thing is just your kid needs to hear that you love them. And it's really nice to just say like, thank you 
mm-hmm. for trusting me mm-hmm. yes. with that information and for sharing this part of yourself with me. Cause at the end of the day, that's really what it means. It means that, you know, they care about you and they want you to know their full self, which is beautiful. It, it's a big deal too. I mean, Liz is two teenagers in her house. I have three teenagers and a tween and we have a great relationship, but as they get older, I realize that they don't tell me as much as they did. And they don't tell me as much as I thought they would. So when a child shares that, or really like any sort of big thing, I love this idea of acknowledging how special that is and how grateful you are, because hopefully that can set you up for other things that come along the way. Cause that's not going to be the only thing, right? There will be many things. Yeah. That's, I, I was going to say, that's yeah. a great reaction to anything. If they're like, yeah, listen, yeah. I tried beer or whatever they have to tell you. Mm-hmm. I, I think a great first reaction is to thank them for feeling comfortable sharing it with you. Yeah. Because it's a big deal. They didn't have to, right? Mm-hmm. That was a choice mm-hmm. they made. And of course, like, I mean, even thinking back to myself when I was a teenager, like, even if in my heart, I was feeling happy with the response that a parent had given me, I might be like, don't make a big deal of it. It's not a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So like, remember that in this, because I think what makes a coming out moment so tricky is that it's just really vulnerable for everyone, right? Like Mm -hmm. the young person who's telling you about a part of themselves is vulnerable and you as a parent are vulnerable. And we all know that when everyone feels vulnerable, there's a big opportunity for people to feel like frustrated or overwhelmed, or it didn't go the way we wanted it to. But the reality is coming out happens forever, forever. That's just the first little moment. So then what do you say next after that? Do you ask questions? Do you let them guide you? Like, do you say, so when did you know, or how are you dating anyone? Like I'm sure parents have a million questions after they get that first notice. Yeah. And I think it all depends on your relationship to your kid, right? So if you have the kind of relationship to your kid already, where you have conversations like that, where you talk about things really openly and you ask questions, then do that, follow that same pattern. Because in that case, your kid's going to feel like, well, why aren't they asking me? They'd ask me about anything else. Why aren't they asking me about this? If you don't have that kind of relationship with your kid, then you can definitely ask a couple of questions. But if they seem uncomfortable or like they don't want to be the one to answer those questions, then, you know, there's a million places where you can go to learn more and to sort of inform yourself. So it's personal to the kid. And I think in addition to that, questions should be asked on like, do you need to know this information? You know what I mean? Like, is this information going to be helpful to you? If your kid has just come out to you as trans... Well, then asking them, like, what pronouns would you like me to use? Are you using the same pronouns? You know, mm-hmm. are you are you mm-hmm. thinking about changing your name? Those are really important questions because you're trying to respect your kid more. Asking them when they knew, if they're open to talking about it, great. And if they don't really want to, that's also fine. So, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, sort of using the same kind of situational awareness that you would in any other situation is key. And putting yourself in a situation where like, would you want to be hammered with a bazillion questions? (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I I don't know if I would. And so I always try to think, okay, how would I feel if I had said something that was super important and vulnerable and the other person was just like hammering away at questions? Because then sometimes it feels like they're not really listening. It seems like it's a fact finding mission. I don't know. It could be, you know, my kids, I have an issue of sounding like I'm interrogating them when really, I'm just trying to converse. So I guess it's a slippery slope. It probably depends on the kid. I mean, I'm thinking about Mm -hmm. my best friend from high school who I grew up with. And when we were in college, she came out to me and I was like, oh, that's awesome. Are you going to be like my lesbian? Tell me everything for now. Like, am I going to like learn everything from you? She's like, yes, I am. (laughs) So that was 
you know, that was our relationship. Yes. <laughs> I could ask for everything. It was so great. You know, I imagine there's some kids like that too, who are just so excited to open up those floodgates, so to speak, and be able to share stuff. And other kids who are going to need a little more, you know, baby steps to get there. Absolutely. And it's really the intentionality too. You know, it's like, if you're asking because you're really wanting to know about your kid, then that question is going to come from a different place than if you're asking them because you're like, did I do something? You know what yes. I mean? Like, and yes. so really thinking about where the questions are rooted is important. And at the end of the day, regardless of if you have asked your kids some questions, they don't want to answer them or they do. I think just always leaving the conversation with, if you ever want to talk to me about this more, I'm always here. I'm happy to learn more from you. I'm happy to learn more on my own. And if you have questions, you know, we'll figure out the answers together. That's the most important part. Mm -hmm. That's really great advice. Thanks. So let's talk a little <laughs> bit about societal expectations. This idea that kids grow up, they go to college and then they get a job and then they get married and then they have children, right? And for many parents, I think this is changing for millennials and Gen Z, but I feel like we Gen Xers, if I may, um, and old <laughs> older, right, still have these sort of notions of what it means to be successful as a parent. Like if your kid does all these things, then you have done your job, you've done it well. And I sometimes feel like a lot of this is internalized by parents, right? It's like, this is about us. It's not really about our kids when it should be about our kids. And so a kid who says, I'm gay can really disrupt that, right? Because their trajectory is different. And really all our trajectories should not be held to those societal expectations. So I'm wondering, what do you say to parents? And, and I made a joke in my notes, like the nice version. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, for me, I just want to be like, get the heck over it, right? Like, and, and I'll tell you what I do. Like, a lot of what I do is just when my kids will say, well, when I grew up and get married and have kids, I was like, or find a partner, right? Like, mm. I sort of give them other options that they may have in life or calling out things that I see that are very traditional and their life doesn't have to be that way. But I'm curious to know, you know, from your experience, what you suggest parents do in those circumstances. Well, I mean, I think that you kind of, already hit the nail on the head in saying that it's definitely not contingent on sexuality or gender identity, right? Like your kid's life is going to look different than how you thought your kid's life is going to look. And that, yes, there's a spotlight shown on that dissonance, if you will, when your kid comes out and maybe you didn't have that image already. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the truth is your kid's going to walk their own path and it's not going to look like the path that you thought they were going to walk. And Life is, if we're lucky, pretty long. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I think a huge part of the process is opening up to what their life is going to look like. A kid being queer, a kid being trans, a kid being bisexual, a kid being any sexuality or gender identity that is not what you may have envisioned doesn't necessarily take any of the other things that you envisioned off of the table. It might, but it's really just about learning that your picture is going to have to change. And that's the hardest part for all of us. I mean, <laughs> whether we're parents or not. Like when you have an expectation and it isn't what you thought, there's a moment or more of adjustment. But queer people get married all the time. Yeah. People who aren't queer decide that they don't want to get married. Having children is something that is increasingly available to all number of combinations of humans with all different sexualities and gender identities. So don't get ahead of yourself. You know, mm -hmm. I say, I mm -hmm. say it to myself. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. You know, I'm very active in political Twitter and a lot of that is about gender and sexuality. And sometimes I see trollish people. <laughs> That's all I'll say. And, they, and they'll <laughs> say things like, well, at least I can have babies or something to a gay man. And I think, well, so can he. <laughs> 
you know? So I think sometimes we think that maybe our, our kids' lives are going to be harder or absent of some of the things we hope for them. And maybe it just looks differently, but I'm glad you talked about gender questioning as well, because, you know, I think the other thing that's very challenging for parents, mostly because this is kind of new to the world and the culture, is this intertwined notion of the fluidity of sexuality and gender and questioning and how some things change. And, and it seems like so many kids are coming out as trans now. And is that real? Or is that a temporary thing? Is that a phase? Why are kids non-binary? I think it's all very hard for a lot of us to just process this massive change in the culture. Yeah. So yeah. can you just talk a little bit about that? Because for a lot of people, it's still very hard to process what's happening. Yeah, well, I think so much of it is rooted in the fact that like, I mean, I graduated high school in 1998. Technically, I believe I'm an elder millennial, though I almost <laughs> prefer being called a Gen Xer over elder. I'm a Gen Xer. I happily welcome you in. Just so you know. Thank you. Yes, we both welcome Thank you. you so much. I'll give you the secret code after the podcast. <laughs> But like when I was in high school, there weren't any conversations happening about gender identity really at all. The words were not even available to me to use in processing my own identity. And that's massive. And that's not to say that I would have come to identify as non-binary had I had the words, but I would have had an entirely different exploration of myself if I had more information. And so I think more than there being a change in the culture, I mean, you're right in that the, the change in the culture is that we're seeing more people represented in larger scale places. We're seeing non-binary characters on television. We're reading books with queer characters more often. And we're seeing a continuum of gender and sexuality, like not yes. on the binary, which I think is very yes and i mean i can't tell you how long as a queer person i spent first of all even using the word queer is newer to me mm. because mm. i i spent so much of my teens being terrified that i would fall in love with a man and then all of my work to be understood as somebody who was queer would be undone because uh -huh. the binary mm. of it all was so strong and so like i think that what parents are seeing right now there's so many more kids who are non-binary or, or who are trans or who are queer it's just that there are so many more young people who have the ability to explore who they are in a more nuanced, in-depth fashion instead of like what I did, which was just being terrified that I might fall in love with a man <laughs> for 10 years before understanding that like, wait, that didn't undo who I was. Mm. Uh, so I think it's a lot healthier what we're seeing now. And I'm actually curious also, you know, my daughter and I have talked a lot about how I think some of the gender and sexual identity issues are tied to social media. Mm. And she's very observant. My 16 year old and saying, I feel like kids are under this pressure now to have to be something and know exactly who they are at a really early age because now there's pronouns in your TikTok bio or there's <laughs> people are looking for that information. Like, how do we handle kids who are maybe feeling pushed before they know who they are to yeah. identify? Well, that's uh, that's just, it, that's a new form that that issue is taken, but that is definitely not a new issue. And it's something that I talk about so often. I'm actually working on a book. There's a, this incredible guide series called A Quick and Easy Guide 2. And I'm working right now on 
want a quick and easy guide to coming out. And one of the biggest things that I try to underline there and that I've always tried to underline, and this is not just for cisgender straight people to remember, it's for queer people to remember too, which is that we are flexible people. We are people that Mm -hmm, should be able mm -hmm. to use words that feel right to us when they feel right to us and also not be afraid if that changes because that has always been a thing. And I mean, all of the young people who have written to me over almost a decade at this point, that is like one of the most common questions. How do I know? I can't say who I am until I know, until I really know. And I'm like, listen, I came out to my parents as bisexual. Then I came out to everybody as a lesbian. Then I came back out again as bisexual. And I also use the word queer. I have tons of trans people in my life who have changed pronouns at first using they, them. Maybe that feels comfortable and great. Maybe it doesn't. And I realize I actually want to use she, her, like mm-hmm. it, it, that's part of it. It's part of it. And it's valid. It doesn't undo who you are. If through the evolution of it and the exploration of it, some of it changes. That's a wonderful reminder that it is an evolution. I think many folks who are probably listening right now may wish that the language was there for them right? Like you had spoken about too, if the language was there, maybe that would have changed your experience. And I imagine many parents even are listening and thinking, I wonder what my life would have looked like if I had had the words or the ability even to explore, you know, and I see it through my kids and their experience of friends who, you know, one week the person identifies as Leo and then it's Liz. And then it's like you said, they, them, and he, and it's admittedly, it it does make me feel old (laughs) because I like, I feel like I have a hard time keeping up. But is that also not part of it too? You know, and I kind of want to end this discussion on the question of like, what does being a supportive parent look like? And I wonder if part of that is sort of riding this wave, like being on this roller coaster with your kids, you know, maybe you're white knuckling it a little bit. I'm not a super fan of roller coasters, (laughs) but riding the ride with them and being a constant for them. And if they're like, hey, this is what's happening. You're not like, oh my God, really? Like I just got used to this last week and now you're changing it. (laughs) riding it out. So along those lines, like what else can parents do to really be supportive through this process? Well, then that comes back around to something I think that I said, and that you've both said in this conversation, which is that it isn't about you in Mm -hmm. the majority of interactions with your kid. That doesn't mean that it can't be about you in other spaces or that occasionally it also can't be about you with your kid. I mean, there are definitely places where like parents should feel like they can advocate for themselves to need to know certain things or what have you, but getting the support that you need so that you can be present for your kid is everything. And remembering too, that it's the effort. And we know it. If you've experienced being a kid of a parent, you know that the effort is always what matters the most. I spoke with a parent recently about their kid changing to use they, them pronouns. And this is a huge thing that parents are navigating right now is they, them pronouns. What does that mean? And how do I use them? And this mom was in her sixties. Her kid was in her late twenties, early thirties. And her kid was like, I use they, them pronouns. And the mom put post-it notes on all of the photos of her kid in the house that said they love whatever the photo was, right? It was a family. So I know I like almost wept on the conversation, you know, and the mom said like, I don't always use the correct pronouns for them, Mm -hmm. right? Sometimes I mess up, but I'm working and I'm working really hard and seeing those photos in my own home, just it helps me internalize them 
as who they are. And that's it. You think that kid is going to be mad at their mom if they slip and use an old pronoun once or twice? It's like, of course not. They see that their parent mm-hmm. is putting in so much effort to learn how to see their kid fully. And that's what it all is. Oh, I am so glad for that reminder that it's okay to mess up mm-hmm. <laughs> because I, we have a kid in my family who uses they, them pronouns. And what I've learned is when I say she, I just quickly correct myself and go, they, sorry. And then I yep. keep going. And that's all you need mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. And I've learned that if I center it on myself and I go, oh my God, please forgive <laughs> me. And I make this big deal. Now it's about me and them trying yeah. to make me feel better instead of me yes. just moving right. on. And yep. so I've really thought a lot about that lately and talked to a lot of other parents about that. And I think the thing I've learned is that kids have a lot of grace. They understand that it's it's new for them too. Sometimes they slip up on their own pronouns, you know? Mm-hmm. And so just knowing we're all in it together, like you said, Kristen, just getting on the ride with them and supporting them and figuring it out together, I just think means the world. Yeah. So I'm so grateful for this book. It's called, This is a Book for Parents of Gay Kids, A Question and Answer Guide to Everyday Life by Dan owens Reed and our guest, Kristen Russo. It, it really is fabulous. It's just mm-hmm. an easy, mm-hmm. fun read. My kids were even picking it up and they were like, oh, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't like anything that they think I'm reading for my podcast. Just so you know. <laughs> Well, I feel cool. I feel like I just maybe bumped back into elder millennial for a second. Because <laughs> your kids thought my book was okay. <laughs> so where can folks find you, Kristen? I know you said you're working on some new books. You've got a lot going on. What's the best social to find you and your website and all that good stuff? Yeah, well, I made the either brilliant choice or horrible mistake to use my middle name in all of my websites and social handles. My middle name is Nolene. So you can find all of my information on my website, which is Kristen Nolene. And Kristen Nolene is where you find me on Twitter and on Instagram. And it's N-O-E-L-I-N-E. Yes. Like Noel on. Yes. On my other podcast, I actually have a song. It's just (laughs) a jingle of my middle name. Everyone, when they write me emails, they write it to N-O-E-L-I-N-E all spelled out. So yeah. (laughs) Well, now I can differentiate my two Kristens even easier. Yes, that's perfect. true. Right. That perfect. is not my middle name. That would be really weird if it was. That would be, <laughs> that would be a first. I've never met that anyone else. That would be else. a first. Yes. All so. right. Well, now it's time for Cool Picks of the Week. Cool Picks of the Week. And Kristen, you are our guest. You get to go first. Amazing. Okay, so I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to cheat and I'm going to say two things because the thing that I love right now is that I'm watching Squid Game and I can't stop watching it. (gasps) Oh, tonight. That's my plan for tonight. I am so hooked. But just in case people are like not into the genre of show and they're like, but what about a cool queer thing? I also just read a book called Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe. It is a beautiful YA queer story. It's one of the best that I've read in a really long time. So I'm putting that in there as well. Thank you. We do a lot of roundups on cool mom picks of like great new YA books featuring gay heroes and heroines, or or I should just say heroes or protagonists. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Even better, non-gendered protagonists. Uh That's a great one to add. So thank you. That's wonderful. Yes, of course. So my cool pick, Kristen, Chase, you'll appreciate this. I see this and I'm like, welcome, welcome to 2021, Liz. you here. <laughs> okay. So as it turns out, my girls are now 14 and 16 and they have great playlists. And so I've pushed myself to start listening to music written after 1988. <laughs> well, I, should, I should say like 98 because I did do that. Okay. Like, Alanis Morris, uh, Nine Inch Nails kind of nice. thing. Anyway, one of the artists that I really enjoyed listening to is Mitski. And so I'm sure that many of you are already like, Mitski, yes. <laughs> forever. But she actually just announced her concert dates 
And so I'll give myself a little cool mom pat on the back here. I spent an hour, Kristen Chase, this morning (laughs) on Ticketmaster hitting refresh over and over to get her tickets for Christmas, which she already knows. So anyway, so she's in concert. She has never been to a concert. She is so excited. I have no qualms about her going to a Mitski concert. It's not like in my days, I think it's like an Iron Maiden concert or something. (laughs) (laughs) And so shout out to Mitski for helping make his fall in love with music. And uh, and I kind of love her too. So look her up on Spotify or Apple Music or wherever you listen to music. And it's kind of lovely. And who knows, maybe you will connect with your Gen Z kids over. Yeah. It. You know, what's interesting is that my oldest, who is sort of, I would consider like non-mainstreamy, has been listening to Mitski forever, right? And then introduced it to my 13-year-old, who now also listens to it. She's definitely kind of like hitting some of the mainstream, which I'm very happy about. So very cool. Fascinating. I know. I'm, I know. It's also a nice break from the, the Bo yeah. Burnham that has been on constant uh, play yes. in our house for the last year, which is nice, but you can only listen to some of them so many times in a row. Yes. I'm so proud of Mitski right now. Mitski was like a yes. fully mainstream queer thing, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. now I'm like, okay, this is the first time learning that Mitski is sort of like a journeying like Tegan and Sarah did from yes. like all the queer yes. kids now to all. Radio yeah. City. She's playing Radio City. Wow. Like big venue. This isn't like a little Webster Hall gig. So <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And now I'm also at the same time trying to find tickets for myself, perhaps for my kids. Anyway, so <laughs> Squid Game, great recommendation. And also going to recommend a show. It's called Made, M-A-I-D. It's on mm. Netflix. Not sure if you've seen this one or heard about this one, either of you or listeners. It keeps coming up because every time I finish an episode of Squid Game, it's like, you sure you don't want to watch Made? So it's yeah, there. Well, there. yeah, it's a good question because it's no joke. But if you're watching Squid Game, like, you know, just carry on to like real world angst and pain. <laughs> <laughs> so this is based on a memoir by Stephanie Land. Trigger warning, you know, emotional abuse. She's a young mother who escapes her partner and starts it's over working as a maid. And I have to say, I basically cried at least once every episode so far. I'm on the fifth episode. So just putting that out there, it's beautifully done. And what I find fascinating is Andy McDowell is in it. She plays the eccentric mother who is rocking her grown out gray hair as am I. I love that. But her daughter, who is the main character in the show, is played by her real life daughter. Yes. Margaret Qualley. I, I was going to say because they look exactly alike. Yes. <laughs> oh my God, that's so cool. Yes. It is so cool. So anyway, it is not an easy watch, but it is a worthy watch. And I'm very excited to read the memoir as well. Actually, I'm in a writing group on Facebook and Stephanie Land is actually in the group because she posted something about it being very excited. Obviously, it's been in the works, I guess, for like five years. So that's my cool pick. And of course, we will link up all of these things along with Kristen's book on coolmompicks.com so everyone can find them and enjoy them. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Spawn. Huge thanks to our amazing guest, Kristen Russo, and our awesome engineer, John Bowen. If you've got a minute, please, it's not even really a minute. Can you leave us a five-star review? Just head over Apple Podcasts, anywhere where you listen. Leave us a five-star review. A little note is always great. It helps folks find us. You know, when you subscribe, you download all the things that we say every week. It helps other listeners like you find us. And Kristen, I like that. You know, you shared on Instagram recently that um, women are not always good about self-promoting. And that's when we put people down for self-promoting and people should be really proud of their accomplishments. Yes. So I was like, you know what? I need to be better about going on my personal accounts and be like, hey, everyone, listen to our podcast and give us a five-star rating. Yes. So I'm practicing. I'm practicing here right yes, now. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And then, of course, you can go on Facebook. You can find us, Spawned Podcast Community. We've got Out Tech Your Kids. We have Recipe Rescue. But let us just remind you of one thing in light of the great Facebook outage of 2021. Yes. You may not know this. Maybe you do by now. We have a website. It's called coolmompicks.com. 
We have a tech site and a food site, Cool Mom Tech and Cool Mom Eats, and we have an email list. So when all the world is falling apart, you can still find us. You can still support what we do. You can still get the content that we hope you love, all the discourse and helpful tips and tricks and advice over on our website. Plus, you're supporting a small, independent, woman-owned publisher, and we greatly value that. And so thank you for coming and visiting us over there, too. Thank you so much for listening to Spawn. This is Kristen. And this is Liz. Have a great day. Bye.